Hello and welcome to the Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the privilege of having a discussion with E.C. on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out as a result, it is our goal to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in and how are you, E.C.? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm really excited about this conversation. We're going to talk about, we don't know exactly what we're going to call this as the time of recording, but something about trade-offs and realities and consequences. And I really like this as an idea. I think a lot about constraints, both in terms of just in terms of life or in terms of work or in terms of businesses, whatever it is. I just think constraints are one of those things that everybody doesn't want to acknowledge is actually like the path to freedom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Once you start introducing useful, necessary, valuable constraints to your life and to your nutrition, which is why I'm excited to dive into it, you just have this like great, big, wide open expanse of decisions you have to make. And -hmm. that's where we kind of run into trouble. And so that's why I'm pumped to actually have this conversation because I'd love, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on, you call them trade-offs, I call Mm -hmm. them constraints, but I think we're talking about the same thing. So let's get some background. Where does the idea come from and and what do you want to talk about? Yeah, constraints is another good word for it. But I'm like 90% sure that I heard Rob Wolf say this many years ago, and that is that nutrition is all about trade-offs. I hope Mm. I'm not misquoting him, but I just really liked the phrase. It's something I find myself reiterating constantly in different ways with my clients. I'm just not always sure the word trade-off lands with people. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But sometimes I do like thinking about it as like kind of the consequences or the realities yep. of these decisions. You know, we want to yep. get something, we want to achieve something. There is likely some trade-off, something we have to give up because of that choice. And another way, I guess you could think about it is you can't always have your cake and eat it too type of scenario. <laughs> well, <laughs> there that's is a nice going- nutrition metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> there is going to be some constraint, <laughs> right? Yep. And, you know, what's funny about this is this is how real life works as well. There's always some cost. Anything you want to purchase comes with a cost, right? Any nutrition goal or decision has a cost or consequence. And so I want to go some of through some of what I see are the most common trade-offs I see all the time, because I think we kind of keep looking for new ways to then avoid this constraint, to then avoid this cost or consequence, when in reality, it's like, hey, accept that's the reality, because that's Mm -hmm. also going to allow you to get to this result that you want to achieve. Yeah. And I hear you about the word trade-off. It's constraint, trade-off, whatever, mm. sacrifice. It's all these things that come with all these negative connotations. They're like, oh, I don't want to make any of those. Can I just find a way to not make any of those? I don't want to make any trade-offs. Maybe we have to accept our reality. Those are the words we have to use. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right. So in advance of this chat, you sent me kind of the, a list of four trade-offs that you feel like are perhaps the most important when it comes to nutrition. I'm just going to read them off and then we're going to get into each one of them. The first one is the trade-off for simple is boring. The second one is the trade-off for elimination is monotony. The third is the trade-off for results is habit change. And the fourth is the trade-off for sustainability is slow progress. So let us start at the top. The trade-off for simple is boring. Let's Mm. elaborate on that. Yeah, I mean, one of the most common issues I deal with with clients is they want nutrition to be simple, not only conceptually, I think because we have all this information overload, this onslaught of what we're supposed to be doing, but logistically, you know, eating takes up a large part of our lives, not just the time of eating, of course, but we've got a plan, shop, prep, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, most people have these things like full-time jobs, <laughs> sometimes kids, yep. other various logistical demands that I very rarely find someone who's like, 
gosh, I have all this time to just fiddle around in the kitchen with new recipes and cooking techniques. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what this means is that to make it simple, efficient, straightforward, is that you're ultimately going to end up eating a lot of the same things every day. You know, that's the way that nutrition becomes simple. You know, from yep. dictionary.com, simple describes something as being easy to understand or do, as being plain or not elaborate, as being ordinary or common. Ordinary or common really sticks out there, meaning frequent, commonplace, routine. Like if you want simple, you don't want something that is new because new requires effort. Now, mm-hmm. this doesn't mean you literally have to eat the same exact thing every day, but you do follow some basic template. And, I, you know, I've shared my breakfast countless times over 90% of days. It's a protein bar, two scoops of collagen in my coffee cups, and then two items or servings of fruits and veggies. Yeah. I mean, perhaps it's boring. I, I keep it interesting sometimes by changing out the flavor of the protein bar. That's exotic, right? <laughs> perhaps I'll swap out eggs for the collagen protein. Perhaps it's maybe string cheese for the collagen, mix up the fruits and veggies, what's in season, what's on sale, all of that stuff. So you just make these equal trade outs within that template. And then, you know, breakfast and lunch, you probably have three or four main go-tos, dinner, hopefully a few more. Maybe get takeout once or twice a week to mix it up and that's it. You mm-hmm. live those days on repeat forever. You know, and then the complaint I hear, though, is I'm so bored. I'm so bored of this. And it's Mm. like, okay, well, the trade-off to reduce your time, your effort, your decision fatigue with nutrition is that it's boring. And that's the reality. And it's the people who just, like, love recipes and cooking. They've usually put a ton of time in. Maybe that's part of their career. Maybe it's a major hobby for them. But you know, they're putting all of this effort into having these new and interesting meals. And that's, that's not where a lot of people have time or effort. So the trade-off is it's not going to be interesting. It's not going to be inspiring. It's not going to be exciting. And I think sometimes these foods that we crave, I often call them the fun foods, you know, the chips, Mm -hmm. the cookies, the crackers, whatever that we think is more interesting. It's not really that they're that uniquely interesting or novel. I mean, they're all sort of these combinations of carbs and fat. It's not that like, oh, gosh, what does carbs and fat taste like in a calorically dense combination? (laughs) They're not really that novel. What what we're craving there is the dopamine high from those things. And that's taking us away from these other items that are that are so boring. So I just sort of like to point it out. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you want something that's simple, it is going to be boring. I remember speaking of Rob Wolf, and I hadn't I haven't thought about this until he just started talking. I remember the first Rob Wolf seminar that I went to. It was at the old CrossFit Boston, which mm. you knew, you know, yes. or you knew intimately. And I remember at the end, it was probably towards the end of it, he started talking about this idea of boring and mm. whatever. And I remember he there was big whiteboards and he started saying, Okay, everybody, give me list let's list out protein sources. Okay, so chicken and fish and steak and et cetera. Okay, cool. Give me let's let's go give me the same with some vegetables. Okay, good, blah, blah. And then, you know, did that a couple of times. And then the end is like, Okay, give me some spices. And then, you know, mm-hmm. forty seven spices run oh, off. Yeah, I have seen them. And do he this. said, All we're doing is combining some of these things. And when you start combining them, the the options are quite literally limitless. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so that to me is interesting. And, you know, you point out the idea of like, the, the word that popped out in that de- the definition that you gave us was plain. Mm. And I think when people hear simple, mm. they think boring and they think plain. Mm. And so they don't connect that simple can still be fully t- tasty. tasty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They think that that's the sacrifice they're making is... Simple equals boring and boring equals plain. I think that's where people are like, yeah, no, thank you. 
Yeah, I mean, I do think there is a little bit of effort in, you know, when you list out all the spices, I'm not a cook, for example. So I'm like, I don't know. What do you put cumin with? Like, (laughs) does that work with red pepper? I don't know. And now, thankfully, I've tried that one a few times and it's fine enough on sweet potatoes. But (laughs) I I do think there is a little bit there, too, of like, what do I put together? And thankfully, the Internet can help you out there. But it is true that you can have good tasting food that is simple. You know, when you Mm -hmm. have fresh ingredients, when you do a good preparation of a steak, when you actually know spices to put together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be this cardboard <laughs> right, <laughs> tasting right. approach to diet too. Yeah. 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 And I just think it's, it's, you know, it's back to kind of figuring out how to communicate one thing when people often hear another, right? Mm-hmm. They hear trade-offs, they think sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how do you, how do you communicate that? So it's about choices and not constraints. It's about, right, whatever, whatever it is. And I think that's the challenge. Talk to me a little bit about though, the maybe the unintended benefits Mm. or the unintended consequences of embracing simplicity in this regard. For example, is this, you know, we do this and then suddenly we have to worry less about whether we have to weigh and measure everything. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly we, we default to simple and maybe not so important or not so necessary to weigh and measure everything as we go. No, I love that because I do think, you know, intuitively we think about, oh, the trade-off is always negative. Mm Mm-hmm. The trade-off of having meals on repeat is that you don't have to weigh and measure. Like so much clarity comes from weighing and measuring to see where your calories are going and how you're spending your dietary budget. But once you figure out how, what your budget is, and then you just sort of stick to that plan day in and day out, what's there to weigh and measure when everything is the same every day? You don't have to. That is one of the beautiful things about simplicity. It's when you want all these really intricate new meals and mixing together and different foods that you don't really know anything about nutritionally, that it's really hard to make the numbers work by the end of the day. And so this is one of the beautiful things about consistency. And I use her as my example all the time, but Miranda of Street Parking will sometimes Mm -hmm. put a week of her diet up on Instagram for everyone to see. You know, I think I'm consistent. It's like clockwork of what she's eating, when she's <laughs> yeah, eating, water, yep. coffee, all of that stuff. And she's not weighing and measuring anything, but it's very, very consistent. And so you can end up having more freedom with that constraint, in my yeah. opinion. Back to what I said earlier about constraints. The thing that I always point to, and again, it's usually in the kind of the, the business context, but it's like, you know, Jocko, Jocko Willink always mm-hmm. says, discipline equals freedom. Right. And I always think that's almost it. Right. It's actually that constraints equal freedom. Mm-hmm. Once you have the constraints, you have something to be disciplined about. Mm-hmm. Without constraints, without saying, I don't eat this, or I do eat this, or I don't look at my phone from 6 p.m. on, one, you know, whatever the constraints are that you make or that you put in place so that you can start to make better decisions, that's when you can, that's when you have the opportunity to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And that discipline, therefore, builds to the kind of freedom you're talking about with Miranda, which totally. I think is spot on. Okay, is that enough to talk yeah. about for that first trade-off? Yeah, okay. I think so. Cool. All right, second trade-off was elimination for monotony. This most frequently comes up with my plant-based individuals, so I'm going to use them to explain the concept, but then I'll kind of show how it can go in different ways too. You know, a lot of my plant-based individuals find they end up using a lot of protein powders and tofu to hit their goals. And so let's Mm -hmm. say they're doing lazy macros, they're doing this 800 grams of fruits and vegetables, they're trying to hit this protein target. And by two weeks in, they're sort of wondering, oh, you know, what are some good protein sources? (laughs) It's like, well, the good sources are the ones you cut out. (laughs) You eliminated the food groups that are good protein sources. Now, I'm not here to try to convince anyone to eat animal proteins. I appreciate there's other reasons besides protein content. People have cut them out. But the reality is meat, 
dairy, seafood, provide a ton of variety for protein sources, of course, just based on the different species, but then also the different products available, especially once we look at something like dairy. So mm-hmm. the trade-off of diet eliminations is monotony. Now, to give other examples, you know, people will talk about the 800-gram challenge. It's like, well, I only like five or six fruits and vegetables. Okay, you're going to be eating a lot of those five or six yep. fruits and vegetables. That's the yep. constraint, right? That sounds like my five-year-old. So he seems <laughs> right. fine. He's he seems happy. fine. <laughs> or people will go paleo and they'll cut out dairy. And it's like, okay, well, now it's going to be harder to hit calcium. You know, and I know bone health is not all about calcium. We talked about that actually in Quick Bites number four. But that's just sort of the reality of the decision. And so kind of now combining this one, though, with the first trade-off of like the trade-off for simple is boring. And unless you have a non-nutrition reason, maybe it's environmental reasons, or maybe you have a true allergy. In my opinion, most of us should in quotes, because again, I don't really like telling people to do keep as many foods in the diet as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it adds some variety to this diet template to keep it as interesting as possible within the umbrella of boring, right? We can mix in and out the different protein sources in our template. We can mix in and out the fruits and veggies. We can round out the meals with different grains and different nut products, the more foods we have in our diet. So In my opinion, you don't want to eliminate any foods because ultimately you're going to get more bored of what you have left to Mm. choose from. Got it. Third trade-off was getting results is habit change and habit change is hard. Yeah. The trade-off for getting results is habit change. You know, I think this is a little bit obvious, but I also think there's just so much quick and easy weight loss nonsense out there that, you know, there needs to be somebody pushing back and saying no. Mm No, it's not quick and easy weight loss, right? Or it's not quick and easy top performance goal or whatever it is. You know, if you want something different in terms of weight, health, or performance from where you are now, you need to change what you're doing. And generally, it's not change in the sense of learning more. I think maybe that helps provide motivation or insight. But what we're really talking about is the habits need to change that will make you successful. You know, how do we change the habits to eat this boring and simple template that we've talked about? And that's Maybe it's changing the foods you buy, when you cook, when you set aside time to cook, times of day that you eat. And that's really hard. These habits Mm -hmm. are really hard to do. If it was so easy, everyone would already be at their goals. You know, and also there was this really interesting study I saw. I'll put the link in the show notes. But it it said that we have at least 200 different food-related decisions every day. Mm. You know, from what we're going to eat to what we're going to eat it with, (laughs) how much we're going to eat, what time are we going to eat. and so. That's a lot of different decisions. And if you're far away from your goal, I'm going to guess the majority of those decisions are not going correctly. And so Mm -hmm. this is why it's so hard. It's like you're not just going to be able to switch 200 different decisions instantly. It's going to be this really slow process where maybe every day we switch three, five of these decisions that are mound more in line with where we want to be. So we have Mm -hmm. a lot of these little changes to make over a long period of time. And As an example, we just finished up an analysis phase in my master class, and this always happens with every phase, and we hear it at every phase and with every cohort, and that is that people are like, wow, if I do meal prep, plan Hmm. my meals, prepare ahead of time, this is actually really easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I chuckle because it's a little bit so obvious, right? Like, if we think about this in terms of a work scenario, who walks into a meeting where they're going to present some sort of big piece of information and just try to wing it. Yeah. <laughs> like planning is how we're typically more successful at anything. And so that's really where the work is here. The work is now this habit change around prepping the meals, planning the meals, cooking the meals. It's not learning about what insulin is or is not doing at the time. And how much extra work you're going to have to put in typically is reflected of how far you are from your goal. 
And mm-hmm. this stuff just takes time. This study from 2009 found that it took a range of 18 to 254 days for something mm. to become a habit where the median value is about 66 days. So about two months of kind of going through this hard process of trying to change these little decisions every single day to actually make it fit. And so, yeah, it's just sort of realizing like the results that you want require these habit change. These habit changes are hard, certainly harder than not doing it all. But it's also how to get what you want. And so to me, mm-hmm. it drives me a little bit crazy, especially when people figure out things like, oh, my gosh, I just prep and plan my meals. And this is so easy. It's like, stop looking for other things. You don't need to find fasting after this. You don't need to find keto after this. You don't need to do the next new diet. This is the answer that you say that you want. Right. And yes, it is more work than not before. But this is direct path to the outcome that you want. Results just don't come cheap and easy. I love when things in nutrition, or I love when you talk about things in a way that makes me think about things that are not nutritionally based or nutritionally Mm. focused. Because when you say that, I start thinking about work and more specifically productivity. And the thing that pops in my head is like, when you don't plan your day, Mm. the chances of you making all of the right decisions throughout the day, like, okay, it's two o'clock. What am I going to do now? I guess I'll just... The chances of you making every single time that happens, that that moment of decision, you making the right decision right. is dramatically lower than if you sat down first thing in the morning and said, okay, what are the big things I want to accomplish today? What have I got on my calendar? What, whatever it might be. And say, okay, I'm going to do that at two o'clock. Mm-hmm. The chances of doing that repetitively day after day after day after day, the chances of you getting where you want to go in six months or a year, far higher than if you just sit down, okay, it's two o'clock. Now, well, I guess I'll do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's so I, crazy to me how obvious that is. It's so obvious. And how hard it is to, hard. <laughs> to get people to understand that. Yeah. But when you do, do it, yeah. they're like, oh my God, this is great. Totally. I can't believe I've never done this before. <laughs> totally. You know, I actually did a bonus episode, so I'm just reminding these listeners of it. But there was this really cool study that to increase fruit and vegetable consumption, they had people think out for the next day, what, mm-hmm. when, and where. Mm-hmm. What am I going to eat? Where am I going to be? And what time will it occur? And it turns out when they did that, they ate more fruits and vegetables. (laughs) Because we're far kinder to our future self than we are to Mm. our our present self. Mm. I'm looking out for future Patrick. So on Tuesday, I know I'm going to make some plans because that thing's going to happen and whatever else. Versus present day Tuesday or Patrick on Tuesday, whatever. Whatever, whatever. (laughs) Because he's not worried about future. Yeah. It's also interesting... That I don't necessarily even know, though, it matters if the plan is followed to a T. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the fact that you had a plan, oh, you're more intentional yeah. during the day to make these decisions, so that maybe you ended up having to pick up the kids late or something like that, but yeah. somehow you still ended up getting the fruits and veggies in, because you yep. kind of, like, mentally made the intention. Exactly. And you, you, you can, it's easier to adjust mm-hmm. sometimes than it is to just wholesale bring up the willpower and start over, right? Totally. And it's funny, it reminds me, I've, I've had conversations with gym owners about just the, the concept the, or the idea of pre-commitment, mm. right? Which is just like somebody comes in first time, we're like, they're okay, yeah, I'm going to check it out. The thing you want to do is like, okay, I'd love to get you on the schedule now. Can you come in on Tuesday at 12? Okay, the fact that they said that they're going to come in at Tuesday at 12 makes it far more likely than, okay, just come on in whenever yeah. for that first session. Come on in, just let me know when right. you want to come. Because they're not on the hook now. They totally. haven't made a commitment. They haven't made a promise to themselves or to somebody else. And so... When the time comes to make that decision, it's like, I'll just, maybe I'll do that next week. Right. Whereas 
in the other scenario, I was like, well, I told Johnny I was going to be there at noon. So like now I have to break a promise. Now I have to call him and be like, yeah, sorry, I can't come then. And it's the same thing we can do it to ourselves. Like I I made a promise, a commitment that I was going to do this thing. And then at the moment where you have to make the decision, am I actually going to do the thing or am I going to go do something else? You have, you have that moment of awareness that you are now making a choice and you are now making a suboptimal choice as compared to what you wanted to make mm-hmm. when you committed that to that totally. idea. Totally. Totally. Next one. The trade-off for sustainability is slow progress. Yeah. I'm going to try to relate this to performance as well, but I'm going to start with kind of the weight loss goal because I think one of the common beliefs out there is that you, quote, should be able to lose one pound mm. a week. You know, and... To do that, that means that we're going to be eating at a deficit of 500 calories a day. And theoretically, that's doable, but it's very hard. For most caloric budgets, if you're having less than 3,000 calories a day, if you drop off by 500 calories, you're going to be very hungry. You know, 500 calories for context is a whole meal. So just think about every day I'm going to skip a whole meal. (laughs) I'm not really sure why that's become the accepted norm. You know, and then to think that, because I'll even hear people like, oh, isn't it one to two pounds a week? I mean, two pounds a week would be a thousand calorie deficit, which to me is not even realistic unless the person is coming in with over 4,000 calories to start, because then then we can still be somewhere in this 2,000-ish ballpark range, and that can actually be a, a regular day, in my opinion, although it'll still be hard for that individual. And so I typically find that I recommend a 10% deficit over where mm. you are, which for most people is going to be this two to 300 calorie range, which then is only a half pound a week. So to kind of think through this, to lose 10 pounds, you're realistically talking about 20 weeks or, or maybe five months of sticking to this plan perfectly. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean no fun foods. It just means that there's no like, oops, I ate the pint of ice cream and went over the, went over the budget or, <laughs> yep. or bag of chips oops. type of scenario. You know, it happens, you know, it happens. Because <laughs> any of those nights just set us back a, a little bit further. Yeah. But the less hungry and deprived we feel, the less like we, likely we are to have those oops, right? And so to feel less hungry, to feel less deprived, we have to kind of minimize the caloric deficit, which by default mm-hmm. then slows the progress. And so it's kind of like, which do you want? Do you want slower, steady progress? Or do you want this continual on and off again diet cycle with no progress? <laughs> Obviously, I, I would go towards the slow and steady progress, yeah. but it, it seems that we always want to push the gas on, on progress. It's like, I want to yeah. lose 10 pounds more quickly. I'll just eat less. And it, it works for about five days. And then the motivation is gone and we're for, face first in a box of donuts. And it's like, how many times are we going to do that before it's, okay, like maybe I'm anticipating results at a little bit faster rate than, than I can sustain. It's a really hard mm-hmm. notion to break. It's a really hard notion to break. Again, if losing one pound a week were so easy, I I think we'd have a lot more diet success than we do. It's hard Mm -hmm. because you are so hungry. Now, what's also interesting here, there's almost like a sub trade-off within this one, that hunger is a trade-off of weight loss. You know, if you were to go so minimal on your deficit of like, I'm only going to do 10 calorie a deficit per day, which is mm-hmm. impossible because of mm-hmm. the errors of limitation that we have on just measurement. But let's just say that was possible. No one is going to stick to a diet for a year to get one pound of weight loss. <laughs> right. So there has to be a little bit of tug of, okay, I need to see progress enough to be interested in this game that I'm playing, to be interested in this trade-off. Yep. But And so that means there is some amount of hunger. So really it becomes this line of what's the maximum sustainable hunger I can do. And I don't find that it's at 500 mm. calories. And I don't find that it's at one pound a week or, or even upwards of two pounds a week. You know, and again, just to kind of relate this real quickly to performance, 
in terms of somebody, if they want to be the next top athlete, we also have to think about that. You, you probably want to have some slow progress to be sustainable. Like if you just sort of pile on the volume and like try to do exactly what the games athletes are doing, and you're more of a, a novice athlete, you're going to mm-hmm. run into burn it burnout and or injury most likely. Right. And I think Matt Fraser is a great example of this. He was a very high level athlete, Olympic level before even doing CrossFit. So why do you think he could sustain that volume? Right. And stuff like that. So this does apply to other areas as well, but I definitely find it with weight loss that I almost have to pump the brakes and remind people that we have to live through the days long enough to see the results that we want. And so that often means taking the foot off the gas a little bit. Mm, maximum sustainable hunger. Mm. That's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of brilliant. I love that. I don't think, I don't know if that's the first, this is the first iterance of that, but right. I haven't heard you say that before. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's hard because you do have to be a little bit mild hunger. So it's like, what's the level yeah. of hunger you can sustain? And if it's the level of hunger where at the end of the workday, you're so stressed out and, and frustrated, we, we eat the bag of chips. Okay. That, that mm-hmm. wasn't it. That wasn't it. We shot too far. Okay. So let's dive in a little bit. So those those were our four. So the four trade-offs that we just talked about, the trade-off for simple is boring. The trade-off for elimination is monotony. The trade-off for results is habit change. And the trade-off for sustainability is slow progress. So let's maybe dive a little bit into like, okay, great. Now what? Mm. (laughs) Maybe get a little bit into the practical. How do you advise folks out there actually put some of those into practice into our daily existence? Yeah, I don't know that I have too much here beyond the fact that I just like presenting the reality for people. Mm. Besides like, okay, you want weight loss. That's always a common goal, so I often use it. But, But like, this is the skin in the game that you need to have. Like, this is what you need to expect. Set those expectations that like, okay, this 10 pound weight loss could easily be 20 weeks right? People want like nutrition to be more interesting and fun. It's like, okay, well, the way that you really do that is you become a chef. Mm. (laughs) Like that's the trade-off. This becomes a profession for you. You spend a lot of time doing it. I always remember this story. I visited a friend and I opened the fridge, you know, I'm, I'm close with them, whatever. I opened the fridge to see, okay, maybe we're going out to dinner. <laughs> first time you like, met them. Yeah, Let me look in your fridge. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm hanging out at their house. So this was normal. I opened up the fridge, figuring out, okay, are we going out for dinner or not? I basically saw a stick of butter and cilantro. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going out to dinner. And then the husband comes in. He's like, ah, oh, no, I've got plenty of stuff. And somehow we have like this delicious multiple course mm-hmm. meal. I'm like, what the hell did he pull this together from? You know, like, <laughs> turns out he's also a chef. He's been a chef for yeah. 20 years. Like, that's how you make nutrition interesting and fun is because it becomes the trade-off is a lot of effort and time that I just don't think a lot of people want to do. Other times, like just give another example, like people want results that will last. Well, what seems to work for most people who actually do that is we got to take the foot off the gas pedal. We got to lower our expectations on how fast we're going to see the results. And that's where we're going to get. So I don't know that I have much more practical advice for people besides always pushing them to think about hey, what's going to be the consequence of this decision, right? Or, mm. or what's the constraint that this decision creates for you? And that's fine, but just accept that reality instead of kind of like, okay, well, maybe this isn't it. Maybe I just need another new diet or because every new diet is going to come with some constraint that you're then going to try to like wiggle your way out of, let's say. Right, right. <laughs> right. And so it's just sort of like, no, no, no. Which is the constraint that makes the most sense for you? Like, Maybe you don't want to weigh and measure everything. So now the constraint is that you have to be very consistent with your meals, you know, or something like that. Like there's always going to be this trade-off that you kind of have to think about. And I, I can't think of a scenario where there isn't one. So now yeah. it's kind of finding the the combination that you can best deal with mentally, with your life, with your habits, all that stuff. I know we've talked about flexible dieting before, but not knowing much about it, certainly not mm-hmm. having tried it. Is that kind of the argument that the flexible diet 
fee folks <laughs> are mm. trying to sell you is that this there is no constraints here. Mm. We get we get to be flexible here. Mm. Is that sort of what they and I don't mean this pejoratively, like, is that kind of what they're selling or the mm. idea that they're selling? Well, it is true. When you weigh and measure everything, you very much can fit anything into your diet. Yep. Because now you know, oh, this is how much I can spend on cheesecake. Oh, yep. this is how much I can spend on whatever wine or something like that. And so it is true. It allows a certain freedom, but the constraint to get that freedom is you have to be exacting with your diet. And so that's the trade-off. Got it. You want to yep. be able to eat whatever you want. Yeah. The trade-off is now you have to be very precise about how much you're eating of whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just another great example of, of trade-offs. Have you ever done, you know, when you're working with folks, either in the masterclass or even just one-on-one, is there any value in your mind f- to getting folks to think back on their their previous kind of experience within with, with diet mm-hmm. or with nutrition, whether whatever it might be, and try to start to articulate some of the failures that they've had in instituting and getting to in, instituting the change and getting to where they want to get to? Because I, I, it strikes me as thinking about why I haven't had success yet, mm. you end up kind of backing your way into at least some of these trade-offs. Like I, or at least I wasn't willing to make that trade-off. Mm. And then at least if you identify it, you can articulate it. You can say, okay, well, what am I going to do now going forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do try to pr- at least get them to see which trade-off or, or what's like their no compromise point. Like if they're like, yeah. I yeah. will not weigh and measure. It's like, okay, you probably can't eat whatever you want. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and that's kind of what I mean is like right. once you articulate like where where have you failed? Oh, I failed right. because I was supposed to weigh a measure and I just like I just can't do it. Okay. Can't do it. Good. Okay. All right, let's work backwards from there and build a build a plan that at least takes that into account versus mm-hmm. I'm just gonna try to weigh and measure again when you've already identified it's just not one, it's just never gonna happen. And so there's this cycle of I'm gonna try and then failure and I'm the worst and mm-hmm. I'm never gonna get this right and uh, I'm gonna try. It's just it, that's to me, which is what I've seen people do is like, I'm gonna be a different person this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. The chances are probably pretty slim that you've changed from six months ago when you decided that you were gonna be a different person again. Right. right? And so just identifying of- it. Yeah. feels to me really valuable. Yeah. I think I've seen another coach call it as like, what's your non-negotiable, you know? Mm. And I think that's another way to think about it as it's like, yeah. I mean, if your non-negotiable is you don't do well with hunger, the trade-off is your results are going to come slower yeah. than you would like. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's fine. But we kind of have to know like, what's the breaking point? What's the thing that you can't give up? Because that will probably set which trade-off paradigm we're working in. Yeah, love that. Anything else as it relates to this conversation about trade-offs, constraints, consequences, et cetera, worth mentioning before we wrap up? We nailed it, no, I think? We did. I think we solved it. <laughs> okay. Solved the problem. Everybody's good now. That's it. We solved it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, see That was great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. EC and I will be back next week for another episode of The Consistency Project. EC here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email 
I send out emails weekly-ish, <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email, and there's also a link in the show notes.